0: challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see all of you here today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. As Kyle mentioned, there's usually about three, 300 or so people joining us online in this service each week. So we're glad you're here with us. Um, today we're going to Jump into the topic of joy, and that's where First Peter chapter one takes us next. Um, as I was thinking on this subject matter, uh, I begin to realize most of the time we talk about joy, it's at Christmas. It's part of the Advent readings each year that we do something on joy, and so it's very very rare that we pull that subject matter out of that Christmas setting um, and and talk on it on a day like this. So we're going to fast forward a little bit to the Christmas season and, and talk about joy here in depth this morning. There's a Christmas song that I've really, really begun to like. It's Joy to the World. I've always liked Joy to the World, but then the new... Version where they add in that, that chorus, Joy, Unspeakable Joy. I just love that. Joy, Unspeakable Joy, that overflow, that, an overflowing well. No tongue can tell. Joy, Unspeakable Joy um, rises in my soul, never lets me go. And that, that particular uh, verse gets at something really fundamental that we have to understand about joy. Um, when you love Jesus Christ and you're filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, there should be deep within your recesses, as a follower, this unquenchable joy that is just there all the time because of who He is and what He's done for you. And so, this is going to be our main focus today as we look at First Peter. Here we're on our second message from our series entitled "Different," and to. Help us better engage with what I'm about to read with you and share with you uh, today. I have a quiz for you to take. It's called the joy quiz, all right? I want you to answer this at least in your head. If you're not going to write it down, you can do it that way. But I'm going to ask you some questions, and and you you just consider, where am I at? Um, How am I doing when it comes to this subject matter of joy? In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us for a moment before I get into this quiz, because I think uh, this is incredibly important, what I'm going to share with you today. And I want to I pray over us. Would you just bow your heads? Lord God, um, what I pray for this morning is receptivity uh, to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, as uh, some things are talked about when it comes to joy and that being part of our, our, our salvation package, so to speak. I pray that you would tear down resistance in our hearts. That you would do a work there of transformation. That we would be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That we would uh, do that deep work that needs to be done at times in our walk in you Lord so that we come out the other side looking more like Christ so my prayer today is just be unleashed in our midst Holy Spirit Um, and may we just hear what we need to hear today and I pray we walk out of here uh, maybe more determined than ever to be a person who follows after you hard Jesus full of your joy in your name Christ, Amen so here's some questions for you to consider someone comes up to you and says Define for me joy. Could you give him an answer? How do you define, biblically, the term joy? Second question is a lot like the first question. What is the difference between joy and happiness? Can you articulate that? Do you know there is a difference? Third question. Why is joy important as a follower of Jesus Christ? Why do you think it's important? Notice I'm not giving you the answers. We'll talk in a lot of these, but I'm not going to give you the answers. Some of these questions I'm not even going to answer today. You just have to think about them. So, next question. How does a follower of Jesus express joy? How do you express joy? Do you smile a lot? Do you give each other hugs? What does it mean to express joy in your life? Now we're going to get Personal. I'm going to talk to you. You ready for this one? Would you consider yourself to be a person who is joyful in Jesus? And the last question maybe is even more telling. Would others consider you to be a joyful person? Would your family members consider you to be a joyful person? Would your friends consider you to be a joyful person? Now, when it comes to this subject matter of joy, personally, I'm on a journey. (laughs) I'm on the same journey as all of you. I'm going to readily admit I have an intense personality, and I'm competitive, um, and I have some of these other little idiosyncrasies that can tend to diminish joy greatly. Any of you relating to me today? How many of you think I have some things to learn about joy? Anybody with me on that? Man, I was doing this message, and I'm thinking, I really have to work on this. I really have to work on my demeanor, and I have to let Christ rule in my heart, and I have to let joy be a defining characteristic of me as a follower of Christ. Um, so let's go to a definition of joy. This will help, I think. Joy is a state of well-being that is dependent on Jesus. If you remember nothing else, remember that. It is a state of well-being Dependent on Jesus Christ. Who he is and following his ways. Rather than on who we are or what is happening around us. So joy is dependent on Jesus Christ, who he is, and following his ways. It's not dependent on who we are or, have the, or having the right happenings take place in our lives. Joy is a purposely made choice frequently you have to say, in spite of the circumstances that are going on in my life, in spite of the way that I feel right now, I am going to choose deliberately to have joy in Christ. So it's deliberate and it's intentional. It's deliberate and it's intentional. Joy ultimately is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now let's contrast that just a little bit with happiness. Happiness happens to us. For example, I watched the Vikings last week and I was happy. I have never seen them play football like that in 20 years. They just actually let the offense play. So I'm happy. Why? It had happened to me. I wasn't expecting it. I told somebody, I think I might be even happy watching them lose this way. Some of you who are Vikings fans know what I mean by that. So happiness happens to us. Happiness is about circumstances happening that we like in life. Joy is not that. Joy is a state of well-being that is dependent on Jesus Christ. See the difference? So if someone asks you the difference between joy, biblically, and happiness, you could explain that now, right? Joy is dependent on Jesus Christ, who he is, and following his ways. Happiness is when circumstances align in my life that I happen to like. All right, now we're ready to go to Scripture. I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read to you verses 8 through 11. Listen to this Scripture. It's really powerful. Though you have not seen Him, that would be Jesus, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So here's our big idea for the message today. The one who believes in and loves Jesus will be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what Peter says. The one who loves Jesus, even though you haven't seen him, and you follow after Jesus, you're going to be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, what I share today is going to be super simple. They're going to be simple points. You'll see that as the message unfolds. Here's where they get profound. If you really believe it and begin to live this way. If you really begin to live as a spirit-filled follower of Christ, deliberately choosing to be a person of joy, you will do your life radically different. And that's my hope for each one of us here today. Now, growing up, I used to read some Charlie Brown And sometimes when it comes to life, we're our own worst enemies. Charlie Brown was consistently his own worst enemy. So when it comes to joy, sometimes you and I can be the worst person in our life. We can just quench that joy. Uh, Listen to this exchange that took place between Charlie Brown and his buddy Linus. It's in the Christmas special if you're a Charlie Brown person. Um, Here's what Charlie Brown says. I think I have a problem. That's like a classic Charlie Brown statement. I think I have a problem, Linus. Christmas will be here and I'm depressed. I'm not feeling the way I should be feeling. I guess I don't understand Christmas. I love getting gifts and sending out cards and decorating, but I'm still sad I end up being depressed. Linus, only you, Charlie Brown, can turn Christmas into a problem. Lucy might be right about you. You're just a downer. I think sometimes we have what I call Charlie Brown syndrome in our lives. We're cynical, we're depressed, we're looking at things wrongly, and we don't understand them, and it just saps the joy right out of us. And so today what I want to do in this message is, is, is talk with you on how you as a follower can experience joy. That's what I'm gonna talk on. That's the main part of this message. How can you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, experience joy? First way is this. Now, the points are simple, like I said. They're simple, but they're profound if you really do them, if you really live this way. So the first thing, how does a follower experience joy? It's by faith. It's by your faith in Jesus Christ. I mused around a lot last week on faith because it's so fundamental who uh, are experiencing anything in Jesus, we have to be people of faith. But what I want to do is go to some pretty well-known scripture here and just read to you for a few moments about faith. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. This scripture is so reflective and complementary to what I just read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1. The two go hand in hand. Listen, here's what the Hebrews writer says. Now, faith is confident in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I don't know a lot about Enoch, but must have been quite a dude, huh? God said, hey, I like you so much, just come on up here. Right? I mean, that's just quite a testimony. And without faith, now hear this, this is what's really important. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now Peter commends his readers, though you've not seen him, yet you believe in him, that you love him. And even though you not see him now, you are are, are believing and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what I'm I'm seeing here from 1 Peter chapter 1 and from Hebrews uh, chapter 11 that we just read from, is those who believe though they have not seen Jesus, are blessed ones. And I'll talk about what that blessing is in just a moment. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to many of his disciples. Over 500 of them in totality. It's just a huge amount of validation to his resurrection. Well, one person that missed out from uh, one of those initial appearings was Thomas. And so the other disciples, yeah, as you can imagine, are really jazzed about seeing the resurrected Jesus. And they begin to tell Thomas about what they had seen. And Thomas said, unless I see the nail scars in his hand, I put my finger in him. Unless I see his side, I put my hand in it. I will not believe that he's been resurrected. And we kind of give Thomas a, a, a nasty label, doubting Thomas. I'm just going to say this. If I was there, I would have been Thomas. How about you? i got to see for myself. And then Jesus appears to Thomas. And he says, don't doubt anymore. And Thomas seeing the Lord said, my Lord and my Savior. And then Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 20, verse 29, these words. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. So we know those who believe like you and me, that we have not seen Jesus physically, we are blessed. And the question becomes, what's that mean, that we're blessed? Well, that's what Peter describes in his epistle, what it means to be blessed. The blessing is an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's the blessing we get when we believe in Christ and really put our faith in him. We are to be people who are recipients of an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Does that describe you? There's more. Let's head to another reason how we experience joy. It's by salvation. Our faith leading towards the end of salvation. Remember from last week? God has seen you, he has saved you, and you're being sanctified. Remember that? Our salvation is another source of joy that we're to experience. Joy results from receiving the goal of faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, a while back, we did a series here at Grace Point about this idea that the Bible's one big story. Peter really refers to the Bible. It's one big story here, if you you read it closely. So so let me reread some of this. Concerning the salvation, Peter says, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into this. What is Peter doing here? He's saying our salvation is so great. It's been the storyline of the Bible forever. The ancients long to see what you're experiencing. Why? Because the Bible is one big story. It's about the redemptive activity of God to save fallen humanity by his son, Jesus Christ. Did you hear the, uh, what he said? The spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ was in the prophets talking about when Jesus would come as Messiah and die. So Jesus was testifying about Jesus. It's kind of a mind-blowing thing, right? The Bible is one big story and you and I live in a great time. We get to see the story unfold in its totality. We understand the beginning from the end. What the ancients longed to see, what the angels longed to see, we get to experience What should be our response? An inexpressible and glorious joy in our salvation. That should be our response. The more we understand what God has done for us, the more joyful I think we should become. I have one more thought about how we experience joy. In Galatians 5, we're told in verse 16 that uh, those who have received Jesus Christ are going to now live by the Spirit. And then it goes on to explain what this means, and specifically in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, we're told this. Uh, uh, We're going to be recipients of the fruit of the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. What's the second one? Joy. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So this brings us to this last, how do I experience joy? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then Galatians 5 goes on to say, you now who walk in Jesus, keep a step with the Spirit, live by the Spirit. And what he's saying there is, let this fruit be manifested in your life because the Holy Spirit wants to do this. Now understand this, friends. If you're not experiencing joy, I'm going to take a little dive right out of the message right now. If you're saying, oh man, I don't know if I experienced this inexpressible and glorious joy. You know what you do? You pray for it. You don't say, this is just the way I am. I'm an angry person, or this is the way I am. I'm an anxious person, I I don't have... No! A thousand times no. You begin to say, Holy Spirit, you promised us in Galatians 5.22 that you would give us a fruit of, you know, of, of love and joy. I want joy. I don't have joy. Pray for joy. You're praying according to God's word. If you pray according to God's word, he's going to answer that prayer. Then you need to be receptive to be a joyous person. And let his Holy Spirit fill you. Let's go on here. I want to continue to talk about joy now. We talked about how do we experience joy. It's by faith. It's by understanding what we have in salvation. It's by uh, being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. But here's something I think that's really fundamental to joy. Joy sees beyond. Joy always sees beyond whatever you're experiencing in the moment. Joy sees what God is up to. This perspective, rather than what is presently being experienced, is what is supposed to govern the outlook of the follower of Jesus Christ. So, even in the middle of an unknown pandemic, when we don't know the front from the end, how bad this thing really is, we, Christ followers, were never supposed to let that moment define how we felt. Because Jesus does that. We're defined by Jesus, who He is, and what He's called us to be. Not by the circumstances that we're in the midst of. We always see beyond the circumstances and we always look to Christ. See, the last couple years for me, personally, has been a great opportunity to understand how to be more dependent on Christ than ever. And when you do that, then those troubling circumstances are no longer what's dictating your mood. What's dictating your mood? Jesus Christ. Joy is dictated by Jesus Christ in us. Jesus modeled this for us. As Hebrews 12, 2 tells us. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw beyond the suffering. He saw beyond his painful death. And he realized that someday this would result. Right here, right now. What we're experiencing would be the result. People coming to salvation in Jesus Christ. He saw beyond the pain of that momentary affliction. And he saw ahead of all the salvation that was going to be wrought because of his faithfulness of going to the cross. And therefore he looked through that. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because he knew the outcome and what it would mean. And we're sitting here as the outcome. Amen? Amen? I'm kind of excited about that. Joy sees Beyond. It sees beyond momentary affliction. It sees beyond the cancer of a loved one. At one point in my life, my dad had cancer, my mom had cancer, my brother had cancer, and my daughter had cancer. And I remember saying, Jesus, I'm overwhelmed right now. But joy sees beyond that. Amen? It sees beyond cancer. It sees beyond the cynicism of our age. We are not going to be those people that just get cynical because joy sees beyond the cynicism of our age, beyond the troubles that we face, beyond this life. And it looks into eternity. It looks into who Jesus is and becomes more dependent on him than ever. So I have some reflection questions. It's a little bit different message. Because I want you to experience some of this, I don't want you just to hear some teaching. So I want you to think on this. I'm not going to give you the answers for uh, for some of this. So you're going to have to talk with other people or or do some soul searching yourself. What could be the problem if you're lacking joy? So right now you're sitting here thinking, I don't know how there's joy. So what could be the problem? We talked about a whole bunch of things. Do you have one of them? Are You ready to attack it and address it? What could be the problem? Do you model joy for others? I'm just going to say sometimes I'm terrible at this. So I'm not sitting here pointing a finger at anybody. If you're around me, you know sometimes I can be kind of cranky guy. Anybody there with me? Can a depressed person still have joy? Now I personally think yes. Yes. Because depression has to do with emotional state. Joy has to do with being dependent on Jesus Christ. So you can be depressed, and even in your depression, say, ah, I feel terrible, but my joy is still built on Christ. It's really a hard thing to kind of put, put into the gray matter, but can a depressed person still have joy? What do we learn from King David and other examples of the Bible about how sin can block joy? David gave into a momentary lust. He saw this beautiful Bathsheba, right? And being king, he used his power wrongly. And he takes his wife of a faithful servant, Uriah. He takes his wife, and he has sexual relationships with her. I'm basically—it's rape, guys. She couldn't say no. It's the king. He sinned grievously. And we see some of that playing out when we read things like Psalm 51, where David says, Restore unto me, Lord, the joy of my salvation. How did his salvation and the joy of that salvation get lost? By sin. Sometimes, if you're not feeling joyous, a question to ask is, is something misplaced in my life? Do I have a sin of mistrusting something other than Christ? Do I have something else that's going on? Is there, you know, it's a time where you should say, there's a red flag here, and I need to address something in my life, evidently, because joy, I'm supposed to have this inexpressible and glorious joy bubbling in my soul. Um, I have a couple more thoughts and joy for you to consider here, just as questions. I think this is helpful to experience joy. Do you see what God is up to in your life? Do you ever just sit back and say, whoa, God, I see now in totality, if you weren't intervening in my life, man, it would be so different. Do you ever sit back and do that kind of analysis? Have that kind of self-awareness? Does this then, seeing what God is up in your life, does that govern your outlook so much so that you have joy? And here's a question just to consider. How do you live in the present but not let it dominate your outlook? Right? How do you live in the present but not let it dominate your outlook? We're going to practice joy now. Like I said, I'm not going to give you answers to all these questions. I just hope you talk to somebody and have some good discussions here. But we're going to practice some joy. The the Bible commands the people of God um, to practice joy. So we're going to do that in just a moment. But I want to share a story with you because this is such a cool story. Back in the 1800s, there was a pastor. His name was R.C. Chapman. Charles Spurgeon called Chapman the saintliest man that I've ever known. That's kind of a high compliment coming from uh, Spurgeon. uh, Chapman became so well-known that a letter from abroad addressed only to R.C. Chapman, University of Love, England, actually arrived to him, actually made its way to him. One morning, R.C. Chapman um, was asked how he was feeling. He said, I'm burdened this morning, was his reply. But his happy countenance contradicted those words. So the questioner exclaimed in surprise, are you really burdened, Mr. Chapman? Yes, but it's a wonderful burden. It's an overabundance of blessing burden for which I cannot find enough time or words to express my gratitude. Seeing the puzzled look on the face of his friend, Chapman added with a smile, I'm referring to Psalm uh, 68, 19, which says, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth me, loadeth us with benefits even the God of our salvation. So what Chapman was doing here was practicing joy. He said, I have so many blessings in my life, it's a burden to me to express them all back to God. He's practicing what I call being joyous. And I think sometimes followers of Jesus Christ, we do not because we practice not. So guess what we're going to do today? We're going to practice. You need to stand. We're going to say Psalm 100 out loud. Now, I'm going to coach you up. I did this first hour, but there's more of you, so this should be really loud. When it says, shout for joy to the Lord, if we read it this way, shout for joy to the Lord. That's not a shout. So there needs to be some volume here on this, a little bit of energy uh, to practice joy. I I get excited about stuff. When my, my grandson just... ran in his first cross-country meet, and, uh, you know, he ran pretty well. He's only in seventh grade. He's figuring out what that really means. Man, I was jazzed. He did really well. I'm excited. You don't have to say, get excited. No, I'm excited about James running in this and doing well, you know. And so today we're going to get excited, and we're going to practice joy. So you're going to read it out loud with me with some exuberance, right, and some energy. Here we go. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Finish up here real quickly now. In the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, we read about how this man, this governor, this uh, uh, cup bearer to King Artaxerxes at the time named Nehemiah, felt the burden to go back to Jerusalem uh, and restore the wall that was torn down. And really the book of Nehemiah, along with the company book of Ezra, is about this, this kind of revival that takes place in Israel during this time. And so Nehemiah heads back uh, to, to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and, and, and accompanying that is this revival of Israel, of, of God's people. At one point they, they find the book of the law and they p- begin to read it. And this is chapter eight. And it's kind of bringing you to uh, some climatic thinking in the book uh, of, of Nehemiah. So I'm to read to you verses uh, 8 through 10 of, of Nehemiah 8. Listen to this. This is what it says. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people have been weeping as they listen to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you know that last verse? Plaques are made. The joy of the Lord is your strength. They're all over the place. This is where it's found. Do you understand the context of it? What's really being said here? Because we think, oh, I just got to be joyous, then I have strength. No. Let me explain some of this to you. This is really important to understand. Here's what one commentator said, and I think it's really wise. The powerful exposition of the word of God can bring deep conviction into the life of the hearers. That was what they were They were crying. They hadn't heard the word of God, and it was being explained to them, and they are going, oh, we're not doing any of this, and we've been sinful, and we've been wayward, and they're weeping and remorsing. But then this, this, this commentator goes on to say this. But repentance must not degenerate into self-centered remorse, but must issue into joy in God's forgiving goodness. So when, when Nehemiah says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, what he's saying is this, understanding that you have forgiveness in God is your strength. It is where you get your joy. The joy is this. I have a perspective that even though I am not doing good or I need God desperately, it's not about me. It's about the goodness of my forgiving God that he wants relationship with me. That's your joy source. It's a joy and understanding that we have and follow a forgiving God. So our conclusion is this. As a follower of Jesus, your joy is grounded on the forgiving goodness of God. This joy is your strength. Does that clarify it for you a little bit? This joy is your strength. It's just like Romans 8, when people quote that God works all things for good. That good means conformance to Jesus Christ. You've got to know the context. Otherwise, we begin to divine good as getting something I like, right? And the same thing here. If we don't understand joy uh, you know, of salvation, it means I, I'm so overwhelmed with God's goodness of forgiving me. It's just so much, I can't, I can't even fathom it. That's a joy, then. That will be your strength. Let's pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to the praise team when you bow your heads. Lord God, I want to thank you for this uh, First Peter scripture. It's so powerful and so applicable in the times we find ourselves in because I, I've, I'll readily admit there's a lot of anger out there now, a lot of cynicism, lots of anxiety, lots of uh, just feeling helpless and... I want to just thank you, Jesus, that in the midst of all this, that we can have a joy that's inexpressible and glorious in you. Help us have our joy dependent on who you are, Jesus, on your ways. May they be the thing that anchors our soul so that um, irregardless of circumstances, happenings that align or, not, or don't align in our life, our, 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 our joy is not determined by those things. It supersedes those things. So I just pray that truly we would be at Grace Point people of joy, of biblical joy, and that you would allow us to to do life out of that, uh, what I would call spiritual healthy place, and that we then could become grace to somebody else, Lord, as uh, as we just show them what it means to be a Christ follower full of your joy. We love you, Jesus, and pray your name. All God's people said,